Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a whole new episode of Full Seam Ahead. I'm your host and your guy, Zobe. My other guy on the other side, Mr. Cantu. How's it going? I see you in the pen pals back there. The uh, do you have Billy Joe playing pen- in the back? Oh, yeah. I got Billy Joe in the penthouse out here for sure, for sure. Uh, he, he usually has Elton John, too, on some <laughs> other weekends uh, called upon. I mean, they, they rock out on that piano. But, and he, hey, I think even Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder you've called about sometimes, too. That's for sure. <laughs> but, I mean, that's not, that's not even the topic of anything, Angel. This series, episode 113, Hot and Wild in Texas, and we are not talking about this Texas heat, which it's been 96, 95, 97 plus. It's gone down from the hundreds, thank God. But, I mean, the heat index is 100 plus still. This wasn't even the topic. It's not the heat and the temperature outside. It is the series, the Lone Star, the Silver Boot, whatever you want to call it, against the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros. They have called it a quote-unquote rivalry. I don't know if we're there yet. But this series was a great kind of matchup to look at in the future for a either ALDS or ALCS kind of matchup, just like how the Astros did with the Mariners last year. And I mean, this is the same situation, but with the Rangers. Um, game one, Astros took that one away from them. Game two, uh, Astros came up with a, you know, shout out to New York too, giving the Astros that call, well, which if you look at it slowly, it, it was kind of an out. Um, I mean, it was a great play by Pena to throw it to Maldi. And then game three, that's when everything just got crazy. I mean, they, they just made game one, game two, not even, you know, talked about. It was game three being with Simeon, Maldonado, benches clear, everything like that. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, Angel, give me that one word describe this series. I mean, AO, you know, number one in the AOS, divisional opponent. You're trying to come back and get that division from them. What's that one word? Oh, it was fierce. Fierce is the word. They fiercely competitors. They were both back and forth action. They both wanted to win the series, win every game. They played fiercely out there. They let loose. And you can see that in game three where the emotions got the best of both clubs at that point where they rambled the series. But even in game one, going back and forth, back to back, we do something, I do something bad. Like I retaliate. It was a fiercely competitive game, and it's great to see because that's probably a postseason matchup right there. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like a postseason matchup, really. But, I mean, game three, let's real, real quick, we're just going to recap. Uh, Simeon, uh, Maldonado, the one of the main ones that got ejected. Andrew Heaney hits Alvarez. So, Framber next inning hits Simeon. You hit my best player, I'm going to hit your best player kind of thing. That's that old school baseball right there. That there, I mean, that's not a lot talked about in these days, but that happens. Next at bat, Simeon hits a home run, runs around the bases, waiting for all uh, waiting for Framber to look at him. Then he could say something, didn't say nothing. Uh, Framber didn't say nothing, so Simeon passed by Maldi. He tells him something. Next appearance comes up, Adolis Garcia comes, hits a grand slam. Simeon hops on the bag, jumps like. If a little league kid just hit a home run inside the park, home run, and you know slides, whatever one do, uh, just to exaggerate. I mean, he he did that right there, but hopped and jumped on the plate like a little kid. Maldi had some words for him. Dolis comes. He has some words for Dolis as well. Bench is cleared. Um, umpires throw Maldi and Simeon out just for you know the instigating and then all this other stuff. To I think it's great for baseball. 
at the same time, I, I'll ask your opinion here in a minute. I, I like it because, like I, you were saying too, this could be a postseason matchup, and this could be the new rivalry what the Astros haven't seen with the Rangers fans in a while. I mean, both times, Rangers were good, Astros were bad. Astros were good, Rangers were bad. Now it's kind of evenly put apart that both rosters are built for a postseason run, maybe a World Series run as well. This is great. That's the only thing I like about this part. Same thing with Maldonado and Simeon. Maldi's protecting his guy being Framber. If Simeon's going to bark at him, Maldi's going to step up and be that leader like he's always been. Simeon, on the other hand, trying to get that Rangers offense to get going and clicking because both them games they lost to, and they were very crucial because, of course, they're trying to end that division and trying to you know, run up with it. But, Angel, give me your opinion. What do you think? How do you think this is playing out for baseball? I like it to a, to a certain extent. I like the emotion in the game. You know, each and every day these guys go out there and give it their all. So, yeah, it's fair to have some emotion for that. Um, the one thing I don't like is when they get the other team involved, the only thing they should be celebrating is with their teammates. Yeah, you hit a big home run. Cool. Celebrate with your teammates. Like, there's no need for you to be looking at the pitch or trying to get their attention Start like starting something. I would say I like it. I love the emotion. I think that's what baseball needs. But at the same day, keep it to your club. Keep it to your like your guys on your on, in your dugout. Completely agree. And then after, of course, the media was going to talk to both players. Uh, really, Simeon being the guy that was more vocal about it, um, he said, "I told him, which him is Maldonado, when they hit the home run, said we're going to win this game." And then Maldi responds back after Simeon said that. He said, "Nah, it's just like when you were in Oakland. Do you remember?" Marcus Simeon played with the Oakland Athletics from, I think, 2018 to 2020, I believe, in that range. And, of course, 2020, I mean, the Athletics won that division. That was when the whole scandal had happened, too, uh, of the revealing and everything like that. Astros, I mean, it was they didn't play great baseball. And the Astros would end up winning that ALDS, I believe, against the Oakland Athletics. So, Maldonado just letting him know. But, I mean, it's sports. It's competition. You have to have that fire in you. You're not going to let someone just talk to you and not say nothing back kind of thing. And that's what both players were doing. They're competitors at the end of the day. But, Angel, other than that, let's talk about our shout-outs from this Texas series. And the first one being is J.P. France for me. This guy continues to prove us wrong. In our over-under segment, this is the second time we said the under in seven innings for him. And he just proved us wrong again. Seven innings, five hits, one run, zero zero earned runs. Two walks, three strikeouts. Honestly, I think he could have went more. He had 84 pitches in his arsenal, 52 strikes. Um, at the end, though, you could look at he was losing command. But the real numbers right here, Angel, I mean, since June 4, France has had eight of his nine starts, quality starts. Eight of those nine, quality starts. Uh, lowers his ERA to 287 after the All-Star break in three starts, which was the Angels, the A's, and the Rangers. He is 2 and 0 with a 1.47 ERA and he has only allowed 3 earned runs. This guy is the most consistent pitcher right now in this Astro starting rotation no doubt. And he is showing out every day and like I said before and I say it again, he's going to continue to prove those guys being the front office of Dana Brown, Jim Crane like hey, you could have put me in this roster to begin with, but you put me in Triple A. I'm just showing you out right now. Oh, I agree with you. I think he's been the Astros' unsung hero. When you talk about 
rookie pitchers, not just with the Astros, but in baseball overall. Hunter Brown was in the conversation for for rookie of the year, for you know all those big categories. But JB Franz was kind of like a shadow, like a silhouette in the background. But now he's like you were saying, he's proving himself worthy to be in this in this roster in the entire season, but also in the playoffs and in years to come. I think it's been a big boost of confidence for the Astros to have on, my, on him in the mound, but it also boosts the confidence for J.P. France. He, he did it against one of the hottest offense in baseball. Mm-hmm. And he went seven innings strong, quality start, zero on runs. That's the crazy – like, yeah, th- that's the thing that, you know, pops out. And also the five hits. Again, this lineup has been crazy hot. I just asked the Tampa Bay Rays when they come to town, right? They well, they got a taste yeah. of this offense. But <laughs> being able to do this as a rookie – Man, he he has so much potential. This guy got to get some rookie votes already for the yeah. ROY. And there's no doubt. I mean, who right now, Gunnar Henderson has been all right. Um, if you could think of another rookie, I can't think of on the top of my head at this moment. Josh Jung. Josh Jung has been doing great for the Rangers. I mean, this guy got his first all-star bid and he started for the game mm-hmm. for the AL. So, I mean, this this man has to deserve some votes. I think he could finish top five. He continues to go like this. He could honestly be top three because he, so. he's really helping this Astros rotation. I mean, Framber hasn't been himself. Javier's the same way. I mean, Hunter Brown looks fatigued. This guy has stepped up numerous times, and eight of those nine starts have been quality. I mean, that's the biggest number right there for me. I mean, he's gone six, seven innings plus. And showing out that he, he you know, he, his longevity is still good and everything like that for this team. Yeah, stash power. Speaking of someone who sometimes sports a stash, Alex Bregman, <laughs> five for 11, one home run, three RBIs, and a walk in his last seven games, 385 batting average, 429 on base percentage, 885 slugging, 10 hits, four in runs, seven RBIs, and two walks in that span. Post All Star break in twelve games, just to give you a little, uh, a little glimpse of how hot he's been. Three hundred sixty-five batting average, one thousand one fifty OPS. Before the All Star break, he was batting two thirty-nine. Post All Star break, well, post All Star break, he was able to get his batting average to two fifty-six. A great, great number. Again, Bregman has been on a different level, and it's needed, needed, needed for sure. Because again, Altuve and and Jordan Alvarez have been out for an extended time. Tucker, Bregman, and Chas McCormick have been phenomenal in stepping up in those role, in those roles to taking it up. And, you know, hats off the salsa was salsa for sure. But Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's that toe tap too, real quick about Bregman. I don't know if it's that toe tap or something. And then plus the two, you know, two hands through his swing path, through the whole, you know, the, the path basically. I, I think that's been a big help for him. And that's usually not Bregman. If you look at all his at-bats from, you know, 17, 18, 19 through on until here, until the president being 23, that's been a big difference in his mechanics. And then the same thing with the follow-through. I mean, I mean the toe tap, I meant. Now, that, that's different because usually he has that little slight little leg kick, but now the toe tap has given him a little bit more, you know, comfortable comfortability at the plate, I'd say. Yep, it's a game of adjustments. Do what you're going to do in order to get on base. Chas McCormick is hotter than the month of July, hotter than the month of June. Three for seven, one double, one home run, seven RBIs. It kind of shows some altuvenness in him. He had a game-tying <laughs> grand slam against a rodent's Chapman. Again, phenomenal. 
phenomenal final. He's That's the only way you could say. Yeah. You, I mean, this dude has been raking six RBIs in one game too. That that's yeah. more crazy. Exactly. But let me finish it off with this one other guy that's been really hot for the Astros throughout the after the All Star break, and that's been Kyle Tucker. Uh, yeah, the the hits and the RBI. I mean, the home runs weren't there for this series. Three for seven with the home run, RBI, but the walks. I mean, this man had five walks. And he was just being consistent. I mean, had a great play discipline at the plate, home run, RBI, and a crucial spot in game two. If he doesn't hit that home run, that RBI, uh, it'd be a tie game because in the ninth inning, Ryan Presley allowed that two-run homer in game two. So by all means, yes, it's not going to be with the long ball or you're not going to hit a lot, you know, doubles and the gaps or anything down the line. But the five walks, that's the biggest part of me because that play discipline and that OPS just goes up. As long as your OPS goes up, it just shows how much value you are to the team and, you know, to the lineups. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Good things happen when you get on base. Is that what I like to say? Yeah, and the last thing, too, before we move on to our new segment, Alvarez. And, yeah, new. we'll we'll talk about that here in a minute. Alvarez and uh, Dusty Baker had a conversation regarding Alvarez being the third spot in that lineup. And usually that's where Jordan hits. But Alvarez told Baker, and he even told Tucker, hey, if you're swinging the bat, I mean, your bat's just hot. I want you to stay there. And he told Baker that, too. And I was like, hey, if he's hitting this, you know, if he's hitting this way, by all means, leave him there. And I would have done the same thing, honestly, too. If I was the manager, and yes, Jordan's coming back from the IL, and he is one of the most spark plugs in that lineup, I'm going to leave Tuck at three because he has been doing a great and fascinating job at the plate you know, with the absences of Altuve and um, Alvarez. For sure. It's just, it just shows how much of a team player Jordan is and not, and how much respect they have for one another in that clubhouse. And again, I think when you ask every guy who comes in to the actual clubhouse, they just emphasize how much of a family they are. And it's, and that just shows it right there. It does. But like Angel said, we have a new segment on introducing Cantu's corner. Angel, what do we got on Cantu's corner for this week? What do we have in store? What is going through your mind through the stretch of the Astro so far, this series of one particular player? I mean, what, what what's going through your mind, man? And it's just and it's just not in my mind. It's Astro's minds everywhere. Is what is going on with Fran Valdez? Before yes. the All-Star break, he was a potential Cy Young candidate. Let the MLB in whip with a 105. He was 7-6 record with a 2.51 ERA. He only gave up seven home runs and 36 earned runs, and that was in 17 starts. Those are great numbers. 251 ERA great numbers. and 105 whip. That's like if you average that in your career, that's a Hall of Famer right there, right away. Yep. Post our star break, a different story. It's a different Famber. In three starts, he has he is one and one, nine ERA, a WHIP of 1.80, 15 earned runs, which is almost double what he they, yeah. you know, almost double the amount he's had in 17 starts. This is just in three, and allowed four home runs again. The entire from opening day to Oscar game only allowed four. I'm sorry, seven home runs, mm-hmm. and now in a, in a span of three starts, he's allowed four. And just to give you a little bit more context, against the Rangers, he threw 80 pitches, 44 sinkers. Again, he's a sinker baller. 
19 change-ups, 15 curveballs, and two fastballs. Something that caught my attention right away when I was researching is zero cutters. That was hmm. a big pitch in the beginning in the beginning of the season for Valdez. Let me take you to Oakland. 96 pitches, 48 sinkers, 25 change-ups, 18 curveballs, only five cutters. They take it to L.A., 35 sinkers, 31 curveballs, 27 change-ups, 8 cutters. Again, this is all mm-hmm. post-All-Star break. Obviously, command's been an issue, too. Against te- uh, Texas, he threw 40 pitches in the strike zone, 40 pitches out of the strike zone. But what I noticed is that, yeah, pitchers are going to throw out of the strike zone purposely, but that's to get swings and misses, right? So, for the most mm-hmm. part, they're missing either high in the corners or low in the way. When I was looking at these numbers, Fran Bravadez was sporadic. He was everywhere. Like the changes were high and and on the on the outside of the plate and you know inside of the plate as well. Now let me take you to before the All-Star break against the Mets. That was one of Fran Bravadez's uh, quality starts. He threw 39 sinkers, 26 cutters, 18 curveballs, 11 changeups. He threw in that game. He threw eight innings, allowed four hits, two in runs, nine strikeouts, and only a walk. He didn't miss. He he missed effectively. So what, mm-hmm. what I mean about that is he tried to get players, batters to chase again, missing high with the velocity in the inside corner and then low with the off speed. Against Seattle, another quality start. He threw 49 sinkers, 26 curveballs, 11 cutters, and 19 changeups. He, even though it was less, it was still double digit cutters. Mm-hmm. Again, 54 pitches in the strike zone, 51 outside of the strike zone, but those outside of the strike zone were effective misses. He wasn't sporadic. He was trying to do, you know, paint the corners. Yeah. So, what I think is, what I'm seeing here is Framer Valdez is eliminating the pitch that was working for him. Especially mm-hmm. throwing a sinker baller, when you're throwing that uh, curveball, it's great to keep, uh, and that makes things better. It, like, it's good to keep players honest. Like, I, yeah. if I cheat curveball, uh, or I can't see curve up because it might be a, or I can't see static because it might be a cutter, right? It's a little faster velocity. So I think he's good. He's getting away of what works best for him. His command hasn't been good recently. He's been in and out of the strike zone, and I believe that's just try, he's trying to work a little bit more pitches. Like when during Texas, out of the forty pitches that were in the strike zone, most of them were sinkers. He couldn't locate the off-speed pitch as well. So I think he's trying to be too fine um, and locate those pitches, but. What I'm seeing the big picture is he's eliminating a pitch that was working for him, which is a cutter. And I think that's a big key to success and a, and a key to why he's struggling so far. Yes, command. I mean, if you looked at that Rangers game, his command, his curveball command was not there. I mean, everything yeah. was hanging. Nathaniel Lowe hit that home run to right field uh, on a hanging curveball. Just hasn't been going for Framber real quick. Batting average, opponent batting average through the months. In July, 200. In June, 218. July, it is at 299 right now. And then with the cutter that you were saying, mm-hmm. opponent batter at, at is 160. So, like you said, that, that cutter could be his success to having great, you know, better command or better flow through the game. But I want to mention two things. One being, is he hurt? Is he mm-hmm. pitching with that ankle? If everybody remembers in that game against uh, – I think St. Louis, that's when Framber wasn't being Framber. And then later on through the posts, I don't know if it was post game or through the, you know, the next couple of days, they were reported saying that uh, he had ankle soreness, right? I think it was right or left. One of those ankles sore. One of the, one of the ankles. 
you think that could be the key of where he's losing his focus. There could be something lingering right there because after that start against uh, the Mets, like you're saying, that was a quality start. The Cardinals, he wasn't doing too well. Uh, the rest, of, I don't know. I don't have the numbers right now with the teams on me. I mean, L.A., I mean, yeah, 13 strikeouts is great. But remember, too, he caught a cramp during the game. He gave up five earned runs. Oakland, he always has great success against them. He Last time he pitched over there, he pitched a shutout. But then he gave up four and runs, I believe, in that um, in that game against Oakland. So it could be an injury, honestly. And then two, I think it could be the pitch clock. Yes, yeah. if you know, Framber, I mean, he's had success already with the pitch clock in the beginning, but you know how Framber is. Framber, if he's not having a great game, that face, mad dog. He is a mad throughout the whole thing. If he gave up one run, that you could just see it in him. It, it bothers him. And, you know, as soon as not making a great pitch, you get off the mound, you have like literally maybe two, three seconds to breathe, and you got to get back on that bump before that time runs out. So two of those things I think that could be really bothering Framberg. People were saying earlier too on social media, I even heard it on the radio earlier today, Framberg's not the ace. And I highly disagree with that. This guy is an ace. He has shown, if you look at the World Series, if you look at the postseason stats, I mean, who who did better, Framber Valdez or Justin Verlander? Justin Verlander just barely received his first win in his career. Framber Valdez got two World Series wins in that game against Philadelphia. He only gave up two earned runs to a good lineup. That lineup wasn't bad. Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, Bryson Stott was hitting good. I mean, honestly, I, I think it could be. But, yes, what you were saying with that cutter – uh, maybe he needs to throw it a little bit more, man. I mean, I don't know if he doesn't feel confident in it now or, or we could go back to the other two things. Like I was saying, it could be an injury that he's pitching through and he just doesn't want to let them know. Or it could be the pitch clock with, you know, not having enough time to, you know, compose himself. Yeah, and I think a big part as well is he's pitching against teams he's seen early in the season. Like This is the second time he's pitched against Rangers, second time he pitched against Oakland, multiple times against the Angels. So it could be a, a thing where he's trying to be too fine, change up locations so they don't get accustomed to what he's throwing. But sometimes it's just like, don't change what's working, you know? Like, it, like if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of thing, right? But I think he's just like trying to give a mixed looks, change the thing, maybe a little too fine. But I do agree with you when you said he might be playing through an injury. These guys are competitive. They want to be out there. They might not disclose what's bothering them. And unless they notice something different between like the way he's stepping, unless he comes out and say it, they're never going to know. He's going to keep doing it. So again, it could be that maybe he's, I and, 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 and I don't think this is the case, but it might be like, he's a little upset after the all-star break, but I don't think these guys, yeah, like, these guys are, yeah, like these guys are professionals. So I don't think that's the case, but it could be an injury or he's just trying to be too fine. Before we move on, do you think the Astros just need to just give him a one day kind of, you know, break just, I don't, I don't think so, but you know, at the same time too, it could be fatigue. I mean, this man pitched since November. He didn't pitch in the WBC, but I mean, he did pitch a career high in innings last year. So do you think maybe that he just needs to skip one start or, I mean, what's your logic on that? I think he pitches himself into that situation. He needs to pitch himself out. So I don't think, okay. uh, of like skipping a rotation will be big again. He's like he did it last year. He did, he did it a year before. I don't think it's a taxing thing. I I just think they know where they're at. They know they like, this is uncharted territory for them. This, like they're in yeah. second place, so they know where they're at. I think this is just the thing they're trying to do too much. The pressure's on. 
you know, that other team in Arlington is just putting in pressure. Again, this is this, this is baseball, right? So it might be a thing where they're just trying to do too much. They're a little bit in their own heads. And I didn't, I didn't thought it. I think that's all it is. Completely agree. But moving on, Astros injury updates and not just up injury updates, but also just updates we get out around, right? So through baseball, starting off with Michael Brantley, Monday, Brantley was running around the bases with Altuve and Alvarez. It's been a slow journey for Michael Brantley, but it's been a positive one. Again, he's gradually increasing things. Uh, moving on again, I'm still not confident with him this season, but hopefully <laughs> he proves me wrong. Jose Arquiti made his third rehab start with the Corpus Christi Hooks. Four innings pitch, one hit, zero earned runs, no walks, four strikeouts, 53 pitches, 37 of them strikes. That's pretty impressive right there. That is pretty damn impressive. 37 strikes out of 53 pitches. That's what gets me. How many? Now my question to you, though: How many more rehab starts do you think he'll make before being activated? I mean, to me, he looks ready. I mean, yeah. And if you look at that number, I think it does. Uh, but I'm I'm gonna say one to two. I think he, two being the max. If you if you remember, I had said in like two po- podcasts ago that he is targeting early August. Well, August is next week. He'll have one more rehab in when if he pitched on. I believe that was Tuesday or Wednesday. He'll probably pitch on the weekend or on Monday. So there's a possibility that he'll pitch two more or just one. But I think he wants to target 70 pitches as well as he had said before. Um, but I completely agree. I, I mean, shoot, four, four innings pitch, one hit. Yeah, it is a double-A team. Not the best, you know, Corpus Christi, of course, being double-A, triple-A is being the Space Cowboys. But at the same time, too, I think it's kind of – you don't want to rush him, but it's like, hey – we need help kind of thing because our arms are taxed and your arm is fresh. So I, I could say one or two before he gets activated to being the safest, but by all means, if it's just going to be one, I'm, I'm okay with it. I can see that. I think two as well. I think two is where they're at. Again, they're trying to be cautious with him as well because they've seen how depleted that rotation is. So yeah, they don't need him gone any longer. So, but again, we told you to be updates. This is per uh, Diner Brown on the trade deadline. This is per Channel Rome of The Athletic. Brown outlined a plan that prioritized an innings-eating starting pitcher, a high-leverage reliever, and a left-handed bat to create balance on his bench. He said he was given full authority, authority on decision-making from owner Jim Crane. That's what you like to hear. That's the Jim Crane that wants to win. That's, that's the man that just put it right there. Let's go. Let's, let's go after him. You love to hear that. An innings eating pitcher. You know who that reminds me of? Lucas Giolito. But obviously, he's with Anaheim already. Yeah. But there's another pitcher from the south side of Chicago who likes to eat up innings, and that's Dylan Seas. You know, just. Uh, okay. I was about to say, you or said Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn. No, Lance Lynn. Yeah. I, Lance Lynn. I, I, I mean, I don't mind Lance Lynn, but <laughs> Dylan Seas, Lance Lynn. Exactly. Come on now. Exactly. And then this is on Wednesday on Sports Talk 790. He was asked about the trade deadline. This is what he had to say. We have guys coming back that will we that will really add to the club. If we can add a big bullpen piece or a starter in that pitching depth, it'll be huge. It it can push a starter to the bullpen and help the guys that are taxed. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Because again, his same time in Rome, yeah, when they started a left handed bat, but then 
he's also and on Sports Talk tonight, he's also expressing another need, which is a bullpen and these tax pitchers. So, mm-hmm. my question to you is, which starter would you move to the bullpen? I, you got to go with Hunter Brown. I think yeah. he's. I I honestly feel like he's very fatigued. Um, this is his in the majors this is his first full season in the majors so far um i mean he's he did really good in the beginning but coming into the mid you know the dog days of summer going on right now um it hasn't looked pretty for him he, he i mean he's not even getting to the five inning mark anymore uh if he does he's i mean he did that i think he recently did that with the oakland athletics he, he pitched a really good game but I, I think he just needs a breather. And he did really good in the postseason. If you remember, they put him in the uh, bullpen in the postseason. And, I mean, he did really great for his first time, you know, being in that type of environment, uh, shutting down the Yankees, shutting down the, the Mariners. So I, I could see him going back to the bullpen when Urquidy comes back. You'll, I mean, because J.P. France has been pitching great. But, again, too, you got Brandon Bielak. Um, If you look at the starting five right now, if you add Rikiti back, Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, JP France, or yeah, JP France, really, Jose Rikiti. And then the number five is just open. It's either Brandon Bielak or Hunter Brown. But I, I got to go with Hunter Brown because he, he looks very fatigued. And I think we're missing a big guy, Ronald Blanco. Uh, he hasn't been like a starting pitcher either. Mm-hmm. So him helping out the bullpen as well will be pretty good for sure. And I'm surprised though. I'm surprised they haven't gone to like a six man rotation with Renault Blanco. I think he really helps those guys out, get the extra day of break. But mm-hmm. I mean, we don't Let make those pause. decisions. I'll look at the schedule right now, but I mean, too, with Dana Brown saying, like, it's going to be kind of, he's going to be sneaky, I think. Um, Dashers haven't made a huge move since Zach Grinke in 2019. I mean, we, we talked about that earlier through our podcast that he literally threw the whole farm system to get Zach Grinky, which it was a great trade because at the end, well, I mean, to me, it's kind of great. Same time, too, the Astros didn't get the ultimate goal, and that was winning the World Series, and they lost over the foul pole. But um, I feel like he's going to be sneaky at this deadline, dude. I don't know why. But, um, I mean, this is going to be this is going to be a huge mark for him. This is his first deadline as a GM. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Crane's giving him the full authority, like it said on Chandler Rome's article on The Athletic. I, I like the sound of it. I, I love yeah. hearing that. You, you know, by all means, if you get the full authority from your owner, you better go out there and make him happy. Yeah, I agree with that. And I kind of get him being kind of vague on these sports radio shows and, you know, mm-hmm. to the SSB writers, because I'm sure he doesn't want to give up his hand and yeah. give other teams an idea of what the Astros are trying to do. So, after they play Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, they have Cleveland, they fly to New York. They won't have an off day till August 7. That so could have be been a, it, it might they might call him up. Ronel Blanco actually started yesterday for the Space Cowboys. But yeah, man, a possibility that they could add a six, you know, go to a six-man rotation because I mean, these arms they're not getting any better. I mean, they're taxed. They're tired. Um but, I mean, let's go with the preview already, Angel. I mean, Tampa Bay Rays, one of the best teams in the American League. There's no doubt about that. Yes, they have been sluggish after the All-Star break, and even before the All-Star break, they were kind of slowing down. Still a great team. Still a great team. Still a great pitching staff. They got great offensive players They over there, too. Uh, 62-43 is their record. Second AL West behind Baltimore. 
two and eight in their last 10 games, and they split the series against the Miami Marlins. Like I said, it's a great offense, great pitching staff, uh, even a great bullpen over there. Now, I could honestly see them making some moves at the deadline as well. But let's get started. Friday, who doesn't love the weekend, Angel? 7-10, Christian Javier, 7-2, 4-32 ERA. That is shocking to say that. I mean, Christian Javier, like I said, versus Shane McClanahan. This guy's a Cy Young kind of guy. And I think he's up. I think honestly, right now, he's the favorite between him and Garrett Cole. 11 and 1 with a 289 ERA. Christian Javier, his last outing at Oakland, five and two thirds, one hit, two earned runs, six walks, five strikeouts. That does sound like a good stat, but when you hit it at six walks, that doesn't sound good at all. I mean, that was a career high in his, um, you know, ever walking six batters. Uh, did not face the Rays earlier in the season. Javier's career, though, versus against them Rays, dude. Three starts, two and O with a 169 ERA. 16 pitch, seven hits, three earned runs, eight walks, 17 strikeouts. Angel, how big is this matchup going to be for Christian Javier? He's had two decent starts after the All-Star break. This is the team right here I feel like is to show. How big is it for him? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. This is... This is gonna give, this is give a better a better glimpse to Astros fans what Javier we're getting. Are we getting vintage Javier, or are we getting? I don't want to say, but 20, 2023 Javier, because he's been kind of like inconsistent so far. Mm-hmm. And if you look at those numbers that you were reading against the Rays, that's what Astros fans are hoping that will do like a repeat of how Javier has pitched against the Rays. But again, like we're looking at a different Javier. Yeah. It's be very important for him to get command against six walks. That's not good. He did hit 95 though, which is a great thing to see. You know, mm-hmm. last outing he did hit 95 because he's been that was his old average. That was like 95, 96. Now he's been 92, 93. So again, a, a few ticks off the fastball, but those ticks make a difference. So I think this is a huge start playoff matchup again. Tampa Bay, they're number two in the AO East right now, but number one in the wild card. So this is a team the Astros might see in the postseason. Yeah, and Astros have played great competition. Well, their team's above 500 winning percentage. They play really great. Um, but th- those three games that Javier had played against the Rays, 2021, and the last two games in 2022. So, like you said, it's a different Javier this year. We'll just have to see. But it's a great test for him to see where he's at after them two starts uh, after the All-Star break. But Shane McClanahan, I mean, this guy's no secret to the Cy Young candidacy. Last year, he was in the top five. Um, I mean, this year, he's having a great season. 11-1, and one, dude. 289 ERA. That, that's pretty damn good. Um, last outing versus Miami. Four innings, five hits, five earned runs, three walks, five strikeouts. Last year, struggled against the Astros. Shockingly, a great pitcher like that, an ace, struggling against the Strohs, uh, it's shocking. 0-2 with a 7 ERA. If you combine them two starts, 9 innings, 10 hits, 7 earned runs, 5 walks, 5 strikeouts. But like we were saying with Christian Javier, I mean, Christian Javier was great last year. This year doesn't look like very promising for as of right now for the Astros. Last year, Shane McClanahan didn't do good. Maybe this start right here. He could have a great start against Houston, but that's going to be one of the best pitching matchups I see in this series. Saturday, we'll move on to Hunter Brown, 6-15 start time, 6-7, uh, 4-19 ERA versus Taj Bradley, 5-6, 
5.30 ERA. This is both right here. These guys are rookies. This is some great competition for against you know one another. They're going to go against great offensive lineup, great players, great kind of like a great test for them as a rookie to see where they're at. But Hunter Brown last at Oakland, six innings, six hits, two earned runs, two walks, four strikeouts. Hunter Brown did actually pitch against the Rays this season, and he had dominated. I don't know if you remember seeing that game. I watched it live, and it was damn good. Seven innings, two hits, zero earned runs, two walks, eight strikeouts. But like we were talking about earlier, Angel Brown has been struggling. I don't know if it's fatigue. I don't know what's going on, but he's had a month of July that's been very, very rough. 0-3, 687 ERA, 18 and a third, 30 hits, 14 earned runs, five walks, 25 strikeouts. That doesn't sound good, but at the same time, too, like he's going to have to pitch through it. Um, he's going against another rookie being Tosh Bradley. Great offensive clubs, like I said before. And let's move with Tosh Bradley. Last outing versus Baltimore, five innings, five hits, three earned runs, one walk, six strikeouts. Last outing versus Houston. This was his third career start ever in his career. Five innings, four hits, three earned runs, no walks, six strikeouts. So the no walks is a great sign for him. Gave up the long ball to Alex Bregman and Jeremy Pena. Uh, and we're going to break it down real quick from his last start from Houston. 37 cutters. And it was about 86.2 average miles per hour. Uh, he loves to throw that middle and outside somewhere out of the zone. He will make you chase. He is a right-handed pitcher. He will make you chase. So the right-handed hitters, you know who you are. Be aware. 33 fastballs, 96 miles per hour, and that was the average on it. Um, usually through that middle and up in the zone. So he, he loves attacking the upper part of the zone. You know who loves swinging at that upper part of the zone? Who? Jose Altuve. That man loves that part of the zone. I don't know why. But, I mean, he, he's had this over with it, but sometimes, you know, kind of chases in. He goes into, you know, a little ground ball. 11 curveballs, 77.3 miles per hour average. Didn't throw that curveball to lefties. So righties is going to get a heavy dosage. Lefties, Zippo. He didn't throw it. Maybe he'll throw it this one, but he threw one changeup. So, Angel, I broke it down from the first start that Bradley had faced against Houston. Third career start was that game, and that was early in April. How will they adjust? to the pitching approach, considering this is going to be Bradley's 16th start. Who makes the adjustment? I'm pretty sure both sides are going to be adjusting, but what are the Astros going to have to do? Yeah, so let me take you back. Let's rewind to talk about his third start when he faced the Astros. And that start, 33 fastballs, 37 cutters, 11 curveballs, one change. It's basically speed. He's going to try to blow them by you, and he's going to want you to think of that fastball and come out with the cutter, as you see, thrown 37. Now, I think these two teams, again, they have great offenses. Hunter Brown and Taj Bradley matchup has, a, uh, has the opportunity to be a high-scoring game. There's two rookies who are fatigued because Taj Bradley, like you say, you say Hunter Brown has been struggling. So has Taj Bradley in the month of July, like in the beginning and after. He's been struggling as well. Let me take you against his last, uh, um, his last, like a start against the Orioles when he was good. This was like the, this was his last great start. Thirty-one fastballs, twenty cutters, nineteen curveballs, and thirteen chases. So, as you can see, the start with the Astros, the start with the Orioles. His most thrown pitches were fastballs and cutters. So I think that's what yeah. he's going to continue doing because 
in his last few starts, he's been trying to mix up his, a little bit more of his pitches, and it hasn't been working. He's been mm-hmm. struggling, like I said. So I think he's trying to go back to what he's been doing. So I think the Astros will see a lot of fastballs, a lot of cutters in these two starts. I guess I got the rest. On Sunday, at 110, Brandon Bielak, he's 5-5. Five and five, 3.62 ERA versus Tyler Glass now, 4-3, 3.36 ERA. They say he throws heat because he kind of looks like Oppenheimer a little bit, but he's pretty good. But let's start with Bielak. Last time versus Texas, 4.2 innings pitch, 6 hits, 6 runs, three, 3 of them earned, 4 walks, and 5 strikeouts. He got roughed up a bit. Um, he got roughed up a bit, but again, Bielek hasn't been that consistent so far. Hey, it's baseball; things happen, right? But he's looking for a bounce back season. Uh, I'm sorry, a bounce back game with Tampa Bay it won't be easy because again, he struggled with Texas, but he has the opportunity to do it. Now there's a guy Tyler Glass now. Last outing versus Miami, seven innings pitched, two hits, one and run, two walks, eight strikeouts. He did settle down in July. He dropped his ERA down from 4.50 to a 3.36 ERA, which if you're in the threes, that's where you get all your money's worth. You're pretty good. So the fact that he was able to do that shows how great his stuff is, shows how great he is. He's dominated. He's been dominated against right-handed hitters. Against right-handed hitters, he has a 1.59 opponent batting average, three earned runs, 2.6 Woba, which is great. Again, he's been light out against right-handed hitters. Against left-handers, it's been a complete story, completely different story. Tyler Glass now against left-handers is two point has a 258 batting opposing batting average, 20 earned runs, 3.46 Woba. So again, the Astros is a right-handed hit heavy lineup. The only two lefties that would probably be in it at the same time is Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker. So this is the game where if they're going to produce this, this, this is the guy they want in the mound because he's been lights out against right-handed hitters. Welcome back, Zoe. I know I took over your segment. Jack Go ahead. Joe on the road. Go ahead. Keep it going. We've been having a little bit of technical difficulties today, and it has not been pretty. But go ahead. Tell the fans what's this last matchup we're looking at. I I just finished it out. It was uh, it was Glass now. I, I was reading how he's been dominated against right-handers and not that dominant against left-handers. Yeah, I mean, this guy, I mean, broke into the same, what, 2019, 2018, one of those years. I mean, he was one of the best pitchers um, from the Pirates organization. And then he joins the Rays in that trade uh, for Austin Meadows. But, yeah, Tyler Glasnow is going to be a great pitcher. He had a great start against the Marlins. But Brandon Bielak, let's talk about him real quick. Versus Texas, four and two-thirds, six hits, six runs, three of them I, being earned. I did that one already. I told you. I was wondering if you did. Anyway. I finished everything. Yo, you did? You finished yeah. everything? We're good. Like I said, everyone, sorry for our technical difficulties. It's been bouncing the whole day for us. We finally got it going. Then all of a sudden we want to do that again. But those are the matchups. I mean, it's going to be a great series against the Rays. It's another tough test for the Astros. Like I said before, they play great against 500 winning percentage teams. Um, this is just going to be another rough going. Next, they got the Cleveland Guardians. After that, the New York Yankees. And then the Baltimore Orioles. So 
I mean, they ranked with the hardest schedule, I think, fifth, I want to say. So, I mean, great competition come for the Astros before they head into October and really, you know, start going for that competition in the postseason. I agree. I agree with you 100%. It's going to be a great series, playoff atmosphere. This is going to be a key game, just like how it was with the Rangers. And honestly, if the Astros can come out with a series win, well, they should Astros fans should be confident in the postseason because yeah. there's a high chance they can make it. I know they're second place, but see the Washington Nationals, what they did in the wild card. The Braves, I believe, were in the, no, the Braves won the division. They were in the wild Dodgers card. as well. I'm against the yeah. Padres. <laughs> so once you, it's like, once you punch your ticket, anything can happen. Just look at the Angels. The Angels aren't even fighting for the division at this point. They're fighting for that wild card spot. They mm-hmm. put their, uh, like, they threw all their chips at Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez. So again, yeah. It's, it's just win. Crazy move, real quick, though. Recru- that I mean, throwing their number two and their number three prospect in yeah. their farm system, that, that was very shocking for them, too. Rentals, but at the same time, too, I think they're just trying, uh, Artie Moreno's just trying to prove. To Otani, that hey, we're we're here to win. We want you for the long run. So of, we'll have to see. Of course, of course, absolutely. And we'll get more into detail on our special and Trade also special, on yeah. on the on the track baseball podcast. But it is time for our MVPs and our hot takes again. I'm the king of one for threes because that's what happened again. Bregman was hot. He was our. Uh, he got a shout out, but Valdez couldn't. He was just, I don't even want to talk about it. And then Astros will be t- <laughs> tied with the Rangers in the AL West after the series. They had a chance, but now they're two games back. No. But, again, it's a new week, new series. There's a new guy back. Well, he's not new, but he's new back this season. So I'm going with Jordan Alvarez for my offensive MVP. He, he didn't register a hit. Again, he only played, a, a, I think, one game. Nah, he did register a hit. He oh, got did a double. He? Yeah, he got oh, a double. There you go. That's I think I just glimpsed through it. So he did register a hit, but he didn't hit a home run. So hopefully a home run happens this series, right? Good. My pitching MVP. I think it's going to be a tight knit game. Both, both uh, the Astros and the Rays are either top three or top five in team ERA. So it's going to be a game to watch. So my pitching MVP is going to be Brian Abreu. I think the bullpen is going to be huge for the Astros and for the Rays, right? Because mm-hmm. if it's a one, two, one run game, two run game, because I think it's gonna be a low scoring affair. It'll be a one game, two run game. Those bullpen guys are gonna have to hold it down and get those holds in and and set it up for Ryan Presley. So I would say Brian Abreu is my pitching MVP. And again, I just said it's gonna be a pitching matchup. Both teams have great pitching. So my hot take is, and I know the Astros have a few rookies throwing. The Astros pitchers will outdo the Rays pitchers, and that's and that's in, that's going to. And the Rays are throwing Shane McCannahan in there. I think the the and Tyler Astros, Glass now and Tyler Glass now. So my hot take is wow. Astros pitching will be dominant against and outdo the Rays pitching. Very spicy hot take right there. That that is one of the hot takes I've been waiting for you to come out with, man. Shoot, love it. But yeah, me did not go too well. Alvarez, I was hoping that he'd be returning in that series. Didn't return till like literally the last game. Brandon Bielak. Was not consistent this game. It was not his day. And I think my hot take was something with the – I think the starting pitchers were going to do better than the Rangers starting pitchers, which mm, not really. I mean, Framberg didn't. Brandon Belak didn't. It was just J.P. France. So yeah. it's a new weekend, like you said, Angel. New series. Got to go with Jose Altuve. That guy did not get a hit his first game back. But 
great opportunity right here against the Rays. I feel like he's a great guy to hit against these Rays pitchers, especially pitchers being McClanahan and Tyler Glass now. Uh, let the rookie know too, Tosh Bradley. Welcome to this league with the Boomba. Some way, somehow, but we'll have to see. Christian Javier is going to be my pitching MVP. Ooh. I feel I feel very confident in him, dude. I, I feel very, very confident in El Rip T. I feel like, yeah, them last two games were decent. He's missing that strong game, and this game could be right here against the Tampa Bay race. So I go with El Rip T with my pitching MVP. And then the hot take. A lot of Astro fans were hoping for an Altuve or an Alvarez bomb in that game, that last game of the series. Let's have it this series. Why not? Ooh. I think both of them Ooh. will hit a home run this series. The last special. Yeah, not in the same game, but I mean, one will hit one one game, one hit the other game. Hey, by all means, if you want to hit two in the same game, boys, go ahead on. But yeah, that's my hot take. Them are the MVPs. I like it. The Latin special for sure. Yeah. But let's move on to our over and under our last segment. Uh, Angel, I got actually a one-point lead or a two-point lead, I believe, one of those. I think um, – I can't remember the last one, but you got 11. I got 14. It's new, man. You could catch <laughs> up. You could catch up. Hunter Brown being our first one. Hunter Brown have seven or more strikeouts. Oakland, he had four. Colorado, he had seven. Seattle, he had eight. Angel, where are we going? Over under, man. Man, I'm going to say under. Again, this going to be a tough matchup. If he – if he goes over five innings, he has a chance. No, you know what? I change that pick over. Over. I think he can go over. <laughs> over. I change it. I honestly think it's going to be over, too. Um, uh, let me real quick go back to our preview. In his last outing against Tampa Bay, he threw eight strikeouts. Okay. So either the Rays make an adjustment or Hunter Brown just fatigues, which – I don't think so. I think he'll get the seven, at least the seven mark. Like you said, we dash dash shows really and Nashville's fans too. They need to see a six inning, seven inning kind of you know start from Hunter Brown. It's been a while to see that. Even though he did six against the Oakland Athletics, which by all means they're not the best team, you still got to pitch a good uh, game against a great offensive lineup being Tampa Bay Rays. So our next one, Jordan Alvarez will hit two home runs. Or more this series. The long ball. Angel, he was pretty close in that last game against the Rangers. It was, I believe it was either off the wall or one hopper. Obviously, he didn't play in them injuries. Uh, it's been a while since he played since I, what was it? I think it was June something. I hadn't mentioned it on one of the tweets. Uh, yeah, June 7, I meant. Two home runs, Angel. Three-game series. What do you got? Let's say under on this one. Again, you have Jamie Clanahan and Tyler Glass not pitching on the other side. So I'm going to go with under. Uh, I mean, this is hard for me because I do have him hitting a home run at <laughs> least. I'll go over, man. I'll okay. go over. I feel confident. Uh, the numbers that you threw with Glass now with his stats against left-handed batters wasn't pretty. McClanahan's a left-handed pitcher. Alvarez and Tucker do great against left-handed pitching, which is very shocking, but they do. Um, what can't them guys do? So I, I got the over on that. Next one, Ryan Presley records two saves this series. Texas, he had one. Oakland, he had two. The Angels, he had one. You going over or you going under with two saves? I'm going over. I think it's going to be a tight series, low-scoring affairs. So the Astros are, are winning. Ryan Presley will be the man to save the day. Man. 
I want to say under, like in this other episode that we had that you were talking about, my head saying under, but my heart saying this, or whatever you want to say like that. That's how I am right now, because I feel like he could get two saves this series, but at the same time, too, I feel like he could get one. So I'm going to go under on this one. I, I yeah. think he'll get one. If the Astros do get this winning series, um, for me, hopefully they they hit a lot of, you know, they, they score a lot of runs to prevent him to come out of the bullpen. But, I mean, too, Presley has been getting out of the bullpen a lot. I think he's at like 46, 48 around those numbers. So, um, yeah, and he had a day off yesterday. Uh, so we'll have to see. Last one, Jose Altuve goes back to his hitting ways and records. Four or more hits this series. Like I said, I mean, we've, we've mentioned this before, and we're going to say it again. Tough pitching matchups with Glasnow and McClanahan. Tosh Bradley could be the possible guy you could hit off of really a lot. We'll have to see. Texas, he had zero. The other series before, when he was playing without the injury, he had three against Texas and three against St. Louis. Angel, what are you going over, under? Over. Just like that. Just over. like that. Over. Love it. Because I'm going to go over two. I, I think he's going to, you know, he started, he got 0 for 3 that la- that first game coming back off the uh, IL. Altuve is a quick guy. And first pitch, he, he's swinging. He, he's swinging if it's high, low, mid, out, low, anything like that. He's going to find a way to get on base. And multi-hit games could be possible in the making of this series. But, Angel, that is our show. Yes. Not the best, honestly, from the audio and from our technical difficulties here. Uh, thank you for bearing with us. Continuing to follow at Full Seam Ahead on Twitter, Threads, TikTok as well. Continue to subscribe to our new YouTube channel on YouTube, Instagram, FSA, Full Seam Ahead. Uh, subscribe to our latest podcast channels. If you're not listening, follow us as well. Google, Spotify, Apple. Like Angel said, trade deadline's coming away. We might have that special. We might do a live special on Tuesday just to get the reactions of us and just to keep y'all in the loop. But, Angel, you got anything else before we head out? Yeah, they say 13 is an unlucky number, and episode 113 took forever to record. Before we finish this podcast, took us two op- this was a third opportunity. We had so, third many, so many technical difficulties this year, this episode, so thank you for bearing with us. I got kind of nervous in my pitching matchups. I was like, wait, are you still there? And I was like, I guess I'll do it. And then I just started going on. So well, thank you for hearing me out. Yes, thank you for Angel for stepping up on that pitching matchup because I wasn't here, like I said. But like Angel said, too, 13, I guess, isn't that lucky number, dude. We'll, we'll do better on 114. But other sure. than that, have a great weekend. Be safe out there. And we will give you that recap and that preview coming up of the Guardians and the Rays. Till then, we'll see y'all guys. Peace.